Hi, this is Cameron. And I'm Jorge Luis. And today we have a conversation about micro savings. Let's discover what this is about and let's start now. Hopecast. Learning about the life and mission of education equals hope. Welcome to the Education World's Hope Hopecast. I'm Cameron Graham Vivanco. And I am Jorge Luis Rodriguez. I'm the co-founder of Education World's Hope and the director of the program here in Ecuador. And I am the coordinator of teams and training for Equal Sage in Ecuador as well. Education Equals Hope exists to provide for the education of students in desperate and difficult situations. And our main goal for this podcast is to keep all of our dear listeners, supporters, and partners all over the world uh, informed as to what is happening with our ministry here in Ecuador. Because it is a team effort and we cannot do it without you. Absolutely. So uh, we are continuing a series on the February vision team. Mm -hmm. uh, the first week of February, we have a vision team in. And just so excited, the different people that God has brought together for that from all sorts. Vision teams are really interesting because it's not a group of people that get together to say, hey, we want to go do this together. It's uh, one or two people from different communities saying, uh, this is interesting. What do you what do you what do you do? <laughs> What's going on down there? And we have another one of, of our team participants with us this morning, Cole Martin. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, you're yeah, perfect. Appreciate it. Scoot on in. Tell yeah. us, introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about who you are. So my name is Cole Martin. I uh, live in Nashville, Tennessee. I uh, work for a music label there, a country music label. Do you like country music? Uh, it's growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, more by trade, I'd say. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. And uh, I came across Education Equals Hope uh, a few months ago and kind of on a whim decided to come down here with this team, uh, kind of, as you alluded to at the beginning, I was on my own, didn't know anybody else on the team, and uh, have had a really great experience so far. Mm, awesome. Um, what uh, caught your attention? What is it that you wanted to explore? Yeah, so a, a few months ago, I got involved or interested in the uh, microfinance industry, which uh, over the past 40 so years has been this uh, developing trend through developing nations and economies. Um, I read this book called The Blue Sweater from this woman named uh, Jacqueline Novogratz, and it really inspired me to look more into that field. And uh, as I dug a little deeper into it, I came across an evolution of microfinance into micro-savings groups, mm -hmm. which was really great because I actually got to see one in action here. Um, but overall, uh, micro-savings groups uh, come from uh, developing economies where a lot of the rural community actually doesn't have access to the formal banking system. Mm -hmm. They, whether it's from a credit side or um, cultural side with distrust for banking systems, Uh, there's ways now through micro-savings groups where local community-based um, groups can get together, pull funds, and provide emergency loans within their groups. And then uh, the interest from those uh, loans, when they come back, actually go back into the community mm. as opposed to going into a banking system 
And another benefit is uh, with micro-savings groups, they can actually choose the interest rates to charge their group members as opposed to a bank where a lot of these people who don't have collateral or a general credit score would be charged astronomical credit mm-hmm, rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, uh, that kind of leads into uh, the church we got to visit. And Cameron, I'm going to have you help me out with the name <laughs> of the church. <laughs> right. So um, we have a, a new partner, I guess not terribly new, it's maybe two or three years old. Mm-hmm. The, the Methodist Church, um, we had Danny and John on earlier that were talking about uh, the Methodist Church of Romarillos um, out in Cotopaxi. So just to kind of paint the picture, most of our uh, ministry sites, I, I would say over half of our ministry sites are in urban cities like Quito. And we visited Hope Centers and we've, you know, with Casa Gabriel and Second Chances and the Episcopal Church and um, Carmen Bajo and Diocese Amor. All these places are, are here in Quito and they're quite convenient for us because we can get to them easily. But then we do have a number of partners that are in rural areas. And Roma Rijos is at the foot of the Cotopaxi volcano. So it's um, about an hour and 45 minutes from our doorstep. It takes almost an hour to get out of Quito from where we live because Quito is just a long, skinny city. Uh, It's about 30 miles long, the city, and we are like three-fifths of the way to the north, and you have to go out the southern end. And then you have about a 45-minute drive past that on what is an interstate (laughs) in Ecuador, (laughs) Uh, it would not be recognized as an interstate from North Carolina or South Carolina, Tennessee standards. Very beautiful, though. It is gorgeous. And I also just, I, one of the most, I saw one of the most remarkable things on that interstate, on that highway. I saw a cow inside a taxi. We were on that road, and there was a taxi pulled over on the shoulder, and it looked like that they had like a cow print across their back windshield. But as we got closer, it was not a cow print. It was a cow. It was a calf inside the taxi. They'd opened the two doors and like pulled the calf. Like, I mean, and I guess if you need to move a calf and you don't have a car, it, you, you just call a taxi. <laughs> so that's the sort of rural nature. Uh, that was a little bit before Romerijos, but Romerijos is maybe a kilometer off this main highway. So there's a huge main thoroughfare, but it is a small rural community and there is no bank. No. Like there are like two little tiendas stores maybe, but like no big grocery stores. There's no pharmacy. Uh, preschool has been set up as a medical center as well, but it, it's, it's rural and remote and that's where you guys were. Yes, and uh, I think Cameron painted a good picture of where we ended up. And when we got there, uh, we were introduced to the pastor, Blanco. Mm -hmm. And she talked a little bit about what they do in their community, kind of the agricultural background. And then she actually got into the savings group that they started in their community. And the way it worked for them is they have 29 members 28 of which are women um, in that community who come. Did she speak to that at all? Uh, she didn't in our brief conversation. I did use uh, Cameron's husband, Roberto, as my translator for a lot of my questions. Um, 
So I didn't get to go that deep within it. But it is a very popular thing within micro savings groups where women have, whether culturally or financially, been ostracized from the formal banking system. Mm -hmm. And that's a really great benefit of these savings groups process is they can create their own bank. Mm -hmm. And so 29 of them meet once a month and they all pull together $5 a piece, Mm. which then from that, they collect that and are able to make loans to the 29 members. Mm. Um, I asked her a little bit about uh, what types of loans and uh, the extent that they will um, donate, or not donate, loan out to their members. And she says they go up to 3000 which was actually a funny interaction because through translation, when she originally said trace mail, my eyes got a little wide. <laughs> uh, lost in translation, I did think she was saying $3 million. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but 3000 and then she's actually part of a larger savings group in the, uh, that pulls together a couple other communities where they can uh, loan out up to 15000 Wow. Um, so... They meet once a month. How does the trust build in a situation like that, that you're actually going to trust your neighbors with your money or with a loan of up to $3,000? Yeah, that's that's something that's new to me in the sense that the communities are so deeply tied um, in a lot of these developing countries where I come from a North American background where I would generally have a distrust without collateral or any of these formal obligatory payback systems. Um, But a lot of it is uh, uh, Mm trust-based with the members of their group. Now, they do contribute every month, and so their collateral is actually their investment within the savings group itself, and that's up for stake if they are defaulting on their payments. And then eventually, through penalties or uh, continued default, uh, payments, they would actually be kicked out of the savings group after mm-hmm. a while. Um, but how, how do they um, do they? How many loans will they send out at a time? I'd, I'm not sure about um, uh, Blanco's savings group specifically. I know uh, off of back of the napkin math, uh-huh. uh, three thousand would be a large portion of the five dollars a month from yeah. thirty people. I uh, asked her about the typical loan and its usage, uh-huh. um, and it's with it being a agricultural based economy around there. It's a lot of farming needs. Mm-hmm. Um, did she give you any examples of? Things she didn't. You- and I should have asked a little mm-hmm. more, um, but it's also a little bit as I've learned down here is some of the uh, pitfalls of the. A healthcare system around here, mm. uh, that access to emergency funds is so crucial for mm. people around here and not to be on the hook with a bank that can continue to uh, charge higher interest rates and then you'd have to put your home or your land up as collateral for mm. general medical expenses. Yeah. Um, do you ha- does she have... <laughs> 
This is such an uneducated question. I'm sorry. Where do they keep the money? If like, if they are the bank, does she like have a safe? Like how, like how does that work? Or, and maybe you guys didn't talk about that, but in your studies of microfinance, like how, where does the actual $5 per person go? Yes. So I didn't actually speak with Blanco on it, but what I've learned in the past is, uh, it is actually collected in a safe, um, typically within a savings group, uh, there's an organizer and then a treasurer and the treasurer is responsible for collecting, counting, and then keeping it. Luckily for that community, there's a pretty centrally located church where they meet once a month. And so I would imagine all the money is kept within that. Mm, well, I'm like, is it under their mattress? Where? Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's a real benefit of these uh, micro savings groups is it gets the money out of your mattress mm-hmm. it, and into a hopefully a safer location um, within the community that not only is your money invested in, but your community members are. And so that that sort of protective area, you you emphasize the protection of that location. Did um, did Blanca share what her hopes and dreams are for for the community in that? Um, I didn't go into the uh, aspirations of the group itself, but it was interesting to hear her aspirations kind of outside of it, uh, above the church, which is located at the foothills, of, like what we were talking about, this beautiful mountain. She actually uh, has a, a pseudo-flat or apartment that they're hoping to eventually uh, turn into an Airbnb. Oh, wow. And rent it out and then develop some sort of thing for the uh, local teenage community to then take people who are coming from Quito or outside of the country from that apartment, which the view would face right to Cotopaxi, uh-huh. which is this beautiful snow-capped mountain here in uh, Quito. And then while people stay there, then in the morning they can transport them actually to the uh, volcano itself. Oh, wow. So kind of run a tourist business out of yes. out of the flat. And that's something with, you know, say they make a $1,000 loan. Once the interest is paid back on that, she says uh, it's a 25% interest rate, which is actually much lower than uh, what the bank would charge them. Really? Yeah, that surprised me as well. Because, like, uh, am I right that North American credit cards are normally between 18 and 23%? I don't know, but that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But so, but 25 is as low for that industry standard? I, I don't know for the general industry. Um, I'm sure it fluctuates country per country, but she followed that. She The way she inflected it, seemed like she was proud of the 25% as opposed to what they would have been charged at a larger Mm -hmm. bank. Um, But so my example of $1,000, that is then $250 of quote-unquote profit um, that goes back into the community, which could then be turned into a microfinance situation where that money could be used to subsidize the apartment or the actual business itself, which is continuing to feed back into the organization itself and then the community. Wow. Um, Cole, what does this, what does this make you dream? Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I came across this a few months ago and it was really eye opening um, because my perception of poverty, 
as we've discussed, and I don't know if you've discussed in previous uh, podcasts, is a lot on the relief side Mm -hmm. and the charity side of this community needs money, let's just give them money. And I think the empowerment that comes behind an actual savings group like this gets more into the development side and not only just pure dollars and cents, but the financial empowerment Mm -hmm. that comes behind having access to credit and having a safe place to put your money. Mm -hmm. Um, And that changed my outlook on poverty itself. And it's it's something I really want to explore more. And a big reason why I came down here is I, I would like to get more involved in whether expanding or distributing this model itself mm-hmm. um, across to developing countries where I think there's potentially, and I don't know, a knowledge gap on this sort of uh, group itself on how simple it could be to mm-hmm. just pull together 25 people and $5 a month is a dollar twenty-five a week. Mm-hmm. And that dollar twenty-five can be so much more to the community itself. Yeah. So that's that's something I, I really want to explore and get more involved in. I, I don't know what it looks like for me. Um I uh yeah, I just I really just want to learn more about it and mm-hmm. uh hopefully expand this as much as possible. Well you're in a a, a great trajectory. Um, and way to way to get out there and put your feet on the ground somewhere and start to see things in in real life um, as opposed to to just the thoughts exactly and, and I, I just feel like I lived some of that journey back in the 1990s <laughs> before you were born um, that idea of uh, for me, it was um, youth ministry and compassion and empathy of meeting people in desperate and difficult, meet, meeting them in the reality of their situation, and it seemed um, so romanticized. Uh, and mm. the developing nations, and oh, it just must be so easy. I'm like, oh, it is important, and life is here, just like life is in the States, and and people are concerned about what they're going to eat and how to wash their clothes and uh, when to go to the store and how to get the, you know, how to be in relationship and how to be a good daughter or how to be a good neighbor or how to trust the people around them. And it's just so complex and interwoven. And we think it's so different when we're sitting in, uh, when I was sitting in North America and in what was my normal, I thought, that someone else's normal would be so dramatically different. And while the trappings are different, what their house looks like, what food they might eat, how they get around transportation, the inner world is so very, very similar. Um, and that human existence is, is so similar across the globe. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that, yes, okay. very much so. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, would you share um, a last thought or highlight from your time here, and then we'll wrap it up? Yeah, I think uh, my biggest takeaway um, from this whole Vision Team experience is just the amount of inspirational people I came across at the individual churches we went to. It seemed like, you know, there were so many people involved 
But at every church, one person kind of stood out to me personally Mm -hmm. where I had to take a step back. And I was like, you know, whether they have multiple kids or however their personal circumstances, they're not only involved in the church and then with the scholarship program, all the things they're doing outside of it with their community and their drive Mm -hmm. and their genuine passion and heart for their community it's something, it's hard to put into words until you see it and hear somebody, even though it was translated to me, you could hear it in their voice, mm-hmm. the passion behind it. And so I guess those just individual, inspirational people really were the highlight for me, knowing mm-hmm. that there's people like that everywhere mm-hmm. doing so much more. And then when you take it back to yourself, you're like, oh, I'm doing nothing. Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much more I could be doing. and. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a smidge of their drive. Smidge. Smidge, yeah. Okay, here we go. (laughs) We're college-educated. Yeah, yeah, smidge. Microphone turns it off a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think that was the biggest highlight for me. It's just the individuals. Well, thanks for taking a step out of your normal life and coming to friends of your parents' friends and uh, coming to explore um, and diving in fully and being fully involved in in what's what's going on these last five days. Well, I appreciate y'all being so welcoming. Absolutely. Welcome back anytime. Thank you. If you would like to be involved in Educational's Hope, if you would like to provide for the stu- a student in a desperate and difficult situation, or if you'd like to connect with Cole to dream about what savings, uh, savings programs and situations like this look like, please reach out to us at educationalshope.org. You can find the Donate Now button or the Give Hope Now button on our website. Um, there's a web, an email on there as well. We'd love to grow our community together. So thanks for being a part of us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our HopeCast. If you want to join the mission, know more about it, please visit our webpage, www.educationequalshope.org, or check our YouTube channel and Instagram with the same name.